Okay, hi and welcome to How Did It Get So Late, a live broadcast Tuesday nights at 9, 10 p.m. where I read you a short story. Um, that introduction always feels so long, I don't know why, um, but anyway, last week definitely got away from me. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. <laughs> I love doing this, but I never want it to become a source of stress or something that allows me an excuse to say no to things. Um, so here we are, two weeks later. <laughs> um, oh goodness. I was eating Cheez-Its before this, so uh, my apologies. That was my dinner. Um, anyway, here we are two weeks later. Sorry, I didn't even, I didn't even say that I wasn't gonna, um, be, be there, but anyway, I'm pretty texting me about my gulp. Oh no, I'm so sorry if that was, um, ASMR for anyone, but, um, yeah. I um, I also think I'm gonna move this to Monday temporarily, um, at least until the end of the year because I got a seasonal job that is gonna start in November that will interfere with my ability to get home in time to do this. Um, and also, Tuesdays are $5 movie night at AMC, um, in case you didn't know. Uh, you can sign up for a free membership, and this is now an ad. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to see some movies for cheap. Um, and I've been trying to watch uh, at least a movie a night to the best of my ability, which um, is great in theory. Maybe not realistic, but I have definitely been watching more movies. So that's, that's all that really matters, I'd say. Um... I hope your past two weeks have been grand, though. I I personally am past the point of settled in here um, in New York and, and now getting a bit antsy, if you will. Um, I've been searching for a second job. Um, I currently work um, as a podcast editor for a um, small podcast run by this woman um who like interviews people um and it's great remote they're in texas um been a great great job but so little hours so i'm searching for a second job and i don't want to get something shit just because i'm looking and desperate so i'm i've been trying to balance between being realistic, but also still valuing myself as a worker and a human being. Um, and I also don't want to get something that I hate, uh, where I hate where I work, um, especially after my previous job in Richmond, um, which if, if anyone's listening that knew me then, um, you remember my daily turmoil of just this horrid job um, where my boss threatened to sue me also and a lot of OSHA violations. Um, <laughs> the fact that they were a book company with a warehouse full of books where, where everyone worked, um, highly flammable, and um, they weren't up to fire code and had one single one single fire extinguisher in the whole building located in the kitchen which didn't even have an oven or any like source of fire that could you know happen um yeah so i mean the the boat had at least eight um seven after i moved in but it was like one one thousandth the size of that warehouse um, while also being surrounded by literal water, so, <laughs> god, Jesus, oh, I, I really could go on, I, I, I remember getting off work and driving away so relieved, um, 
and immediately going to the super shitty but cheap and big uh, warehouse studio that Brie and I were sharing. Um, and Brie would bring me bags of snacks for dinner, which is hilarious because she just texted me um, angry that I only had Cheez-Its. <laughs> um, but would have would have died without those snacks. Um, and then I would stay there till 1 a.m. and I would I would drive to the boat, go to sleep, do it all over again. Um, I didn't necessarily hate my whole life, but that job made getting up hard. <laughs> um, anyway, I could go on forever about that godforsaken hellhole of a place. May that man never know a day of peace. Um, but the threat of lawsuit uh, still looms, so I will cut myself off there. Um, I am super privileged, though, to have the ability to go a few months without, um, or with making very little. Uh, and thank God they canceled a portion of student loans, um, student loan debt. Uh, though I will believe it when I see zeros on my account and not thousands of dollars. Uh, I'm trying not to be a hypocrite, though, and live by my motto that everything always seems to work out. Um, so far, it is working out. Um, yeah, I'm very happy here. <laughs> um, I've also, yeah, I've been doing so many sweet things with old friends and new friends and after being isolated in a suburban town for far too long um, with my mom <laughs> and only my mom, um, it feels very sweet uh, and I'm very lucky to have so many friends up here already and have so many lovely people. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, which I'm sure you can actually hear some of these lovely people in the background. Uh, the house is lively, but um, it adds to the ambiance. <laughs> um, our reminders for the evening, there is an email link at the bottom of the website if you have any story suggestions um, or anything you might have written, shorts, poems, scripts, songs even, um, and per usual. This broadcast will be available until the next one airs next Tuesday or Monday. <laughs> um, but we'll see when I change it. I don't know if it'll be next week or who knows. Um, but yeah. So after our last story uh, where I cried on air because that shit was sad as fuck. <laughs> um, hopefully this one is a bit happier. Last week's was fantastic beautifully written though i will say i just need to follow that up with um it was very sad but it was stunning um but this one this one is hopefully a bit happier i i honestly couldn't really tell from the first two pages uh what at all was going on <laughs> but uh, i'm hoping for the best i didn't have a whole lot of time um when I pick when I was picking this one out at the library, I was um, it was so nice outside. I was antsy to get back outside, so I wasn't super picky about this one. But I was definitely I definitely picked up a few before and was like, oh. so this one will do. They can't all be winners, though. I'm not saying this one is a loser. So I just don't know. I could not tell, um, and normally I can tell. So um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, it was written by Mary Beth Cushetta, who is an American novelist, um, best known probably for her book Mir Miracle Girls, um, which won some very gay awards, along with a lot of her other stories, short stories. Um, so that's why I was like, ah, oh, it's gotta be, I have to, I at least have to give it a try. Um, but she's happily married to her wife and they're living in Massachusetts. She um, most recently, well maybe not most recently, but very recently wrote an essay in the New York Times um, on how her father disinherited her um, in quite 
literally in the most dramatic way um, in his will, saying, I leave no bequest to my daughter for reasons known to her. Um, and she had three, four brothers that all got something. Um, so, and she was like, really not expecting it at all. So I'm sure it was, you know, something to do with the lesbianism maybe. Um, and it seems like there was some political differences, which is no surprise, but um, very jarring and sad. And she's currently writing a book about like how a slew of Americans, like specifically in America, like people love to um, disinherit their children which like brings up like a whole um, argument, I guess, of like our kids entitled to their parents like things after they die and like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't decided. I think, I mean, where else is it gonna go? Um, especially if your parents fucked you up, yes, you are entitled to their things when they die. It's just things, you know? And of course, it's just things, so like, why do you need them? But that's kind of like rich people being like, ah, it's just money, like, money's not that important. But like, to poor people, yeah, <laughs> it is important. Um, though I honestly have never heard a rich person say that. They're usually more, um, more invested in how much money they have than any poor person, but anyway <laughs> um wow, there's something else i was gonna say about her uh but now i can't remember anyway tonight's story uh will be estimated around i put two question marks um <laughs> my bad i was supposed to figure out how long it was gonna read but um honestly it's it's it will not be that long maybe 30 minutes um so, without further ado, this is um, Imogene's Island of Fire. Outside the bus station, Imogene stood with her mother at the row of wire-slotted vending machines. She put some coins in the one with the cheese doodles and the ketchup curls. Who comes up with such things, her mother said. Imogene made an ordinary choice, E5 potato chips. A spinster is a spinster in any town, her mother said, a no-prize pig. Don't worry about me. She hoisted a pack of paint tubes and brushes over her shoulder, freeing her hands to lift the straw suitcases she'd taken from her stepfather. Don't suppose I'd start to worry now, her mother said. It seemed a hundred years ago since her mother had taught her to be pleasant to men who paid attention. Suitors, she'd call them. Even Henry, who was technically Imogene's uncle, her dead father's half-brother, then suddenly her mother's second husband. Oof. That's, I feel like that's actually more common than people think. Um, still kind of weird. <laughs> Behind the depot... The bus doors heaved open with a mechanical sigh. Henry says you'll get five miles down the road, come to your senses, and make the bus driver turn back around. For her entire adult life, Imogene had painted houses for a living and little cards with watercolors on special paper. She was 40. It was time for something new. I'll say, girl, Jesus. Uh, it's never too late, but wow. Nothing... Nothing out there you won't find here, her mother said. By now, the sun was up. A harmless breeze carried the thick, muddy odor of the Ohio River. I'm going, Imogene said. When the bus pulled away, she imagined her mother still standing outside the depot, lips pressed together, watching her leave. It was wonderful to dream of going somewhere new, a place she'd read about, read about in a book. Images of Mingo Junction, now her past, started to fade. 
The two red traffic lights, renovations at Old Town Hall, farmers carving straight brown lines into the earth with yellow tractors, women at kitchen tables pouring from pots of coffee, children asleep in their beds. Imogene was leaving the place where everyone resembled everyone else, gaunt and muscular, dishwasher blondes. People are horrible, Imogene, Leslie had said. They don't just accept you. You have to convince them, negotiate, make your own way. You can't just go wherever you want like you're a character in a book. Leslie, the, the town librarian, had gotten most of the books Imogene requested from far-off collections in Bowling Green and Toledo. Colette, Capote, Stein, Carl, Carson, McCullers, Virginia Woolf, I want to live in a world, Imogene had said. The world is not your home, Imogene. The world is unkind. Imogene had had her fill of Mingo Junction, Mingo Junction, where an obligatory hand wave across the street was as close as she got to people all her life. This really sounds like where I grew up right now, though a little bit um, closer knit, maybe. Um... During a last wordless night, lying restlessly on top of the covers, she'd wrapped herself in Leslie's arms and held on tight. Leslie mumbled Earl's name as she drifted to sleep. In the morning, she asked, asked if Imogene would be a bridesmaid at her wedding. Damn, I was really hoping they were gay. Um, <laughs> Imogene had almost laughed. The idea of asking her to wear a dress then felt like crying. She hadn't seen it coming. In the hallway, she'd put her shoes on and found her jacket. I'm going to go find something better than this, she said. That's just the kind of thing I'm talking about, Leslie sighed. I want a husband. You want something? You're just so vague, Imogene. Love, Imogene said. I'm talking about going to find love. She pictured her mother moving towards the kitchen in slow motion. She thought of Henry, who since childhood had been cruel about her books and solitude. What kind of Mingo Junction girl are you, Imogene, he'd like to say. Her father had taught her to be a man. She'd spent her early years trailing him around the farm, learning to pull calves from the muscular insides of their mothers. Imogene appreciated the smell of the blood and the effort that rose from the warm, exhausted bodies of the cows, as if they held the secret of life. Her father appreciated her strength and encouraged her natural gifts. A lot of people don't know this, but um, cows cannot give birth on their own. Um, they have to be assisted and normally uh, they tie chains around the calf while it's still inside the mother and um, pull it out via the chain. <laughs> um, it's quite the image. Uh, seen it a number of times. Um, a, a, a weird process, honestly. It's sad that we've domesticated cows to the point where they can't give birth on their own, but anyway, a little fact for you. She understood animals better than people. It wasn't until she'd grown as tall as her own mother that Henry stopped calling her names. After she outgrew Henry, he stopped speaking, speaking to her altogether. Maybe Henry's just trying to do you a favor, Imogene, her mother had said. Two days, three buses, and a ferry later, Imogene arrived at the place she'd thought she'd never reach. At first glance, the Oceanside community seemed no more than a narrow strip of beach houses lifted off the sand by rotting planks, but the air smelled clean and salty. Her mother's words still ringing in her ears, Imogene hoisted her paint tubes and brushes over her shoulder, picked up Henry's two scratch suitcases, and headed for the nearest bar. The sign on the door said, Cherries. Wow, there's definitely some shit going down at Cherries. Stepping inside, Imogene saw a wide open space with a dance floor. Oh my god, the, the chicks, is this a chicks song now? Uh, a dance floor, a jukebox, a few round white tables with matching iron chairs. More like an ice cream parlor than any bar Imogene had ever been in. There were red and white striped curtains and cloth napkins with ribbons on the tables. 
It was early in the day, except for an older woman seated under a yellow poster of Marlene Dietrich. The bar was empty. A barkeep with wide hips and a bow tie appeared in the doorway. Name's Cherry, she said loudly. Her thick accent sounded strange. Oh, God, I don't know what the accent is, um, because I don't know where she is right now, but, uh, yeah, all I can do is Southern, so <laughs> that's what we're getting. It's a little early in the season for day trippers. <laughs> Imogene could smell the heavy scent of her perfume as she came nearer. It rose above the smoky remains of the previous evening. I've come too far for just one day. Imogene dropped her backpack on top of both suitcases, as if she intended to sleep right under the bar. Some 600 miles. You here for the season? Cherry asked. I'm here forever, said Imogene. Cherry flashed a wide red smile at Imogene, who suddenly felt stooped with exhaustion. Only a few diehards stay year-round, but I do hope while you're here you plan on ordering a drink. Imogene looked at her. Sometime soon would be nice, Cherry said. Imogene was still standing awkwardly halfway between the door and the bar. Whiskey, she said quickly. Is there a pool table? Cherry pointed over her shoulder and back, straddling a stripped bar stool. Imogene looked around. It's pretty in here. Cherry lowered her voice and leaned in. Thanks, but I don't date customers. Imogene's smile was mostly polite. Too bad for me then. I might, I might have to let a noodle. Uh, he's currently scratching. Um, Cherry pulled back cheerfully. It must have been a long trip. Long life. Cherry laughed loud and low, posing like an actress, her chin tipped slightly up. New member of the church? Imogene, Imogene shrugged. You'll have to get busy. A lot of hearts to break around here. I need a job. What's your skill? House painting. Plenty of work, too, Cherry said. You can go down to the end of this dock and find a cheap room for the night until you get some money. Nice place to rent when you have a little cash. I have some money, Imogene said. Not much. You'll do okay, Cherry patted her shoulder. There's work. The woman under the Marlene Diedrich poster cleared her throat, nodding at Cherry. Imogene smiled and waved, but got no response. Bad place to start, Cherry untied her arm. Dahlia McGregor. McGregor. People call her Miss Dale. Lots of money, barely spends a penny of it. She's the oldest woman on the island. Used to be quite a dandy in her time, I'm told. Imogene watched Dahlia McGregor sipping gin. She was dressed in a linen suit, Oblivious to the damp Atlantic heat, the shifting sand and stifling sun. Okay, so they're on the East Coast. Good to know. She looks okay. She has one of those outfits in every color, matching shoes, Cherry said. Sometimes she wears tailored silk pants and smokes a cigar. You should hear her tales about stealing other people's wives, romance and the sisters of her business partners. Claims she had some lawyer's mother once, and a banker's masseuse, even a nun. Miss Dale says lesbians were better before the advent of the automobile. More authentic. Imogene flinched at the word, but Cherry was smiling. What's the matter, love? You got a crush on Miss Dale? Send her a drink, Imogene said. Cherry blinked. Cherry poured gin and a chilled glass, placed it carefully on a tray, as if it were the first time she'd ever done it. Going to start at the top and work your way down? Nothing wrong with that? As Cherry slowly headed for the table, Imogene went to the ladies' room to change. The bathroom was red and powdery. Imogene laughed out loud at the cup of tampons on the basin for the female customers. 
Henry would have a heart attack. Changing into a paint-speckled navy swimsuit and army fatigues cut into walking shorts. She sat on the john, tying her shoes. On the way back, she stopped at the pool table to rack up balls for a solitary game. Her mother should see her. Making new friends, entertaining herself. Not such a plain Jane after all. As soon as she got settled renting a room, she'd send Leslie a postcard telling her not to marry Earl Matthews. Maybe she'd send Leslie a bus ticket. Across the room, Miss Dale took a sip of freshly poured gin and scowled. Too warm, she said. Where's the ice? Cherry nodded, turning back. Wait a minute, Miss Dale demanded. What's the meaning of this? Who's sending me a drink? Cherry studied Imogene's figure by the pool table. That newcomer wants to say the season. She's looking for work and a place to rent. She went to find ice. You over there, Miss Dale called out to Imogene. Come here. Imogene smiled and approached. Hello. A crack in the glass frame above Miss Dale's head, head lined the edge of Marlene Diedrich's yellow Panama hat. Maria Magdalena. Miss Dale held out, her, held out her hand. Oh, she's using a fake name. Wait. Oh. Wait. I'm getting ahead of myself. Miss Dale held out her hand. Dahlia McGregor. No, I meant Diedrich, Imogene said, taking the old woman's hand. Her real name was... Oh my god. Mary Magdala? Like in the Bible. <laughs> um, Miss Dale waited for her to finish, but Imogene was still pointing at the wall behind her. You know what Hemingway said about her? Hemingway, said Miss Dale. I met the man once, a perfect ass. Most of what he said was rubbish, as I recall. He said, it makes no difference how she breaks your heart, as long as she is there to mend it. Miss Dale sniffed the air. <laughs> if I could lie down under that print for the rest of my days, I'd be happy, Imogene said. I'd prefer you not lie down while I'm sitting here. Miss Dale said. Imogene laughed. I read somewhere that Diedrich had an affair with this woman, a writer, who at the same time was having an affair with Greta Garbo and Isadora Duncan. You read too much, Miss Dale said after a minute. Oh goodness, I'm, I'm doing horribly with these sound effects right now. <laughs> I apologize. Um, and if you're speaking of Mercedes de Acosta. I never liked her either. Imogene's smile faltered. Miss Dale concentrated on the table. I'm looking for a housekeeper. I'm more of a house painter, Imogene said, but I know how to use a vacuum. I'm getting too old to bend over. My offer is $200 a week for light housekeeping. I'll expect you at 8 a.m. Mondays and Wednesdays. Fridays noon, you can take me shopping. Other errands when I need them, by appointment, of course. Her tone made Imogene feel at home, as if she'd become one of the characters in her books. Are we agreed? Miss Dale asked impatiently. Only if I can paint your house. I'm sorry, I got lost on the page. I'm getting ahead of myself yet again. <laughs> Only if I can paint your house, Imogene said. Painting is what I love. This is business. No extra money for painting, Miss Dale glared. You can live in the rental unit round back. It's a mess. I'll let you have what you want and haul away the rest. I haven't bothered with rents and loud tenants for years. Imogene took a steel-colored took in steel-colored curls, black eyes set deep in a round face, magnifying glasses, perched on her nose, mag magnifying reading glasses, perched on her nose. Deduct the rent from my pay if you want, but I don't paint for free, Imogene had learned from her stepfather's negotiating style. You wouldn't want me to. I'll give you a good deal. I don't want you to paint. 
The old woman took a sip and made a face at her gin. Imogene didn't budge. I'll think about it, Miss Dale said finally, but I think slowly. Remember Marlene Dietrich in Blue Angel? Imogene said. Now that was a movie. Imogene opened her eyes to a musty studio, small and square, with a hot plate and a refrigerator. The other side of the apartment was stacked with Miss Dale's boxes. Imogene had looked briefly through the stacks of books and letters, photographs and old linen suits. The night before, she'd fallen asleep on the first page of a book she'd salvaged from a dusty pile. Civilization and its discontents. Discontents. Now, in the tiny brown-paneled studio apartment below Miss Dale's kitchen in the early morning, she lay on a bare mattress listening. She could see through a part in the curtain. Miss Dale's neighbors were men in large straw-brim hats that sloped off the sun. The daintier one was shoveling, shoveling peat moss. Miss Dale's dog, an ancient corgi, danced excitedly at her feet, looking like a little man. Short legs and a big face, just like a dwarf. Most of the time, he growled. It's a natural reserve, the large gentleman was saying to Miss Dale. We, sh we should be given something for it. We do own it, after all. What a strange thing. What's that, Dahlia? To think that all these years, we've felt the need to own it. The other man stopped his shovel in midair. Miss Dale gazed into their faces, then stepped back slowly from the fence as Imogene heaved open the filthy sliding glass door and stepped into the morning sun, dressed in a bathing suit and shorts. Good morning, the men gasped. Oh, apparently so, whispered the dainty one. She quickly, she stepped quickly across the splintered deck to catch up with Miss Dale and her dog as they rounded the corner to the front of the house. What's the matter, Miss Dale? I simply prefer not to prattle with neighbors, Miss Dale said. This island is filled with people who think a piece of paper gives them the right to something. And drunken hooligans who come across on the ferry looking for trouble. I prefer to be alone. Her first day in boat deck, Imogene moved deftly around the ancient beach furniture and knickknacks, dusting and vacuuming, mopping and shining, tangling more than once with a corgi whose name was Pablo Picasso. The designs for Miss Dale's, Dale's house hung on the wall, showing how the ends of the house were bowed, the windows shaped like portholes. Just below the architectural blueprints, a sign with large type named, named it Boat Deck House. Located on the western end of the island, the structure was shielded from the main thoroughfare, primarily a beer bar, pantry, pizza joint, and a tourist trap with odds and ends for sunbathing. Miss Dale ordered lunch mid-morning. Tea and tuna fish. Imogene wiped the sweat out of her eyes. She hadn't, hadn't realized she'd have to cook the food she'd bought using Miss Dale's list. She thought the old woman liked her enough to make room in her house, but it occurred to her Miss Dale needed someone with her 24 hours, because she so prefers to be alone. Um, Imogene carried neat plates of food on the tray, wrapping a sandwich for herself and stuffing it in her back pocket. The light was perfect. I think it'll go down. Whatever you like, Miss Dale said. Picasso barked twice unenthusiastically as Imogene packed her paints in a shoulder bag and ambled down the walkway outside Miss Dale's gate. It took three weeks to clean away Miss Dale's refuse, to haul the boxes out of the curb on garage garbage days, to clean the gutters and rake the lawn, which, despite attempts to seed it, was mostly sand. <laughs> Imogene made a home of the stuffy back room, managing to get the hot plate and the refrigerator working again. She painted several large watercolors and smaller cards, tacking them to the wall. 
She wrote postcards to Leslie, tucking them away in the cigar box she had found among Miss Dale's discarded things. One evening, Imogene picked at her meatloaf and vegetables as the sky started to fade into a starry evening overhead. Eyeing the old shutters, the peeling white and gray paint from the house's trim, Imogene turned to Miss Dale, who was nuzzling old Picasso and feeding him string beans. The house was finally cleaned up a bit, but she'd grown tired of housekeeping. It's time, she said. Miss Dale followed Imogene's eyes across Boat Deck House. We'll see about that. Imogene began scraping the next morning. Preparation was the most important part of the job. Henry had taught her early on. Paint chips swirled around her ladder. It appears to be snowing around Boat Deck, Miss Dale remarked. Hasn't been painted in years, Imogene said from her perch on the ladder. Hasn't been anything in years said a passing neighbor over the fence. Nice to see some activity over here, Miss Dale. Miss Dale looked out towards the sandy lawn and made a pronouncement. The deer will overrun the people one day, you know. Sure look bad this year. Imogene had already painted several deer as cards for Leslie, filling out their ribs with smooth brown strokes of paint. Most were scarred and mangy. Imogene had seen the day-trippers feeding them carrots, much to the disgust of Miss Dale. The beach erodes terribly every winter, the neighbor said. Soon there'll be nothing left. I hope the feds plan on compensating us. Imogene waited for the conversation to end before resuming her work. Strange, isn't it? Miss Dale said. I mean, it's very odd. What's that? The way things last, or they don't. The neighbor shook his head with a smile, continuing down the length of the fence until it ran out. Miss Dale clucked her tongue, continuing the conversation in her head. The morning sky slipped into afternoon, spacious and low, while Imogene worked and Miss Dale watched. The sun spread out in a bright blaze like fire. Most afternoons, Miss Dale said she was too tired to go lie down in her room. So she dozed right there in a porch chair near Imogene, supervising the house's makeover. There's too much sun out here, Miss Dale complained. She was sitting in the shade with Picasso, who growled in his sleep. So go inside, said Imogene, said Imogene said. Miss Dale fretted. The trees need pruning. The house is going soft. There's more dust than can be wiped away. I like to think of dirt as texture. Imogene listened to the distant sound of young people laughing, having fun. An occasional tourist passed, striding across the boardwalks. You're not a very good housekeeper, Imogene. Imogene clung to the top rung of the ladder with bare toes. I painted some nice cards this morning down by the ocean. Dale sighed. Don't change the subject, Imogene said. I promised to clean the house when I finished the first coat of primer. The days crawled by with Imogene on a ladder, slowly revealing the house of its ancient colors, nearly bare. The priming would take several weeks. Imogene found the work difficult without a crew or adequate, equ adequate equipment, but she enjoyed the sunshine and labor. Miss Dale read in the shade from books in German and French. Once a week, pre-dawn, they took a short walk to the ocean so Miss Dale could make an assessment of things. It makes some people believe in God, this ocean. It's magnificent, she said. Imogene looked out across the Atlantic. She hadn't thought about it like that before, but the idea made her feel that she too must have a place in the creation of things. It's a lot bigger than the Ohio River. Miss Dale walked precariously, holding onto Imogene's arm as she bemoaned the shortened seashore, the damage of erosion to the beach. Hope I last longer than it does, she said. Looks like someone threw it in the dryer. I remember when it was at least 30, 300 yards of pure sand. You've got plenty of time, Imogene said. Healthy as a goat. Miss Dale swatted a fly. 
This is my last year out here. I can feel it. Nonsense, Imogene looked down, smiling. We'll both be here next summer and the summer after that. The sentence circled the air with the insects buzzing around them. In the winter, the island closes down, Miss Dale says. Everyone leaves except for the work, the few, a few workmen. I'm hardy, Imogene said. I can keep this place running. No need for that, Miss Dale said. I'll need you in Connecticut. You can stay in the attic. Imogene dug her bare feet into, into the beach. I hate to talk about the summer ending when I just got here. Agreed, Miss Dale said. But I can smell my last summer. There was no arguing with some people. The first time I saw you, you seemed familiar to me, Miss Dale said. When you're as old as I am, you've seen many faces, probably all the kinds there are. You don't think that much about it, but now I realize. What's that? Imogene said. It's the stage, Miss Dale thought a moment, shading the last of the day's sun from her face. Women don't get much in life. Some get a few hours, if they're lucky, a time when they are exactly who they are supposed to be. It's happening for you now. I can see it. You're turning like a leaf. Imogene smiled. I like that. It is rather extraordinary, Miss, said Miss Dale. Did it happen to you? Imogene asked. I was 68. Can you imagine? After a life bereft of any kind of lasting love, children, acceptance, though not empty of glamour, mind you, and quite a bit of travel, I was getting ready to slow down. Suddenly I could feel it, the pureness of who I was, shining outward for everyone to see. Well, only strangers. I was abroad and alone. A full calendar year, almost entirely without witness. Imogene tightened her grasp of Miss Dale's arm. I'm glad. Unadultered beauty, Miss Dale said. One night, while listening to the buzz of mosquitoes outside her room, and Miss Dale sleeping just a thin wall away, Imogene heard a ruckus at the front of the house. Thinking it was Picasso taking his nightly prowl, she continued spreading her hand-painted postcards one by one into the pillow to choose the perfect one for Leslie. She carefully inked a message and read it over several times. The scene on the front had turned out pretty. A long stretch of beach and an ocean ablaze with yellow sun, she hoped to paint many more. One for Miss Dale, maybe. She'd like to know her birthday. Imogene put a stamp on the other side, addressed the card, imagined herself walking to the post office, but she put it in the underwear drawer with all the others. Oh no, she's in love with Leslie. <laughs> wow, sad. Imogene had kept a tidy schedule. One night a week, sleeping on top of a bed cover on Leslie's large oak frame, which had been hauled many miles from Utica, New York. They'd had dinner occasionally and held hands in the movies. Oh. She'd never seen Leslie with her clothes off, though she could imagine it. In fact, Imogene had imagined it so many times she'd worn it down like a sliver of soap. What's it like with Earl, Imogene had asked her. What do you mean, like? In the silence, Imogene understood that Earl hadn't gotten in her yet. Hadn't gotten to her yet in that way. Same thing. <laughs> she wondered how Leslie kept him at bay. It was a comfort to know, and she snuggled up to Leslie's large bosom and her warm nightgown. Never mind, she said, drifting off to sleep. That was the thing about love. No matter how late it was in coming, no matter the form, you were never prepared. Imogene sprawled on the mattress in Miss Dale's back room. The night was brisk, as if fall were coming sooner than planned. A loud banging and the sound of rolling garbage cans startled her. She sat up in bed, listening a minute, until a few more crashing sounds roused her into action. She pulled her shorts on under her t-shirt, found her flip-flops, and made her way out into the pitch dark. 
Miss Dale? Imogene called. Is that you? Imogene couldn't see Miss Dale, her eyes still adjusting to the dark. She felt her way carefully towards the front path. I'm down here. Miss Dale was sitting beside the raised wooden footpath, down in the sandy lawn where she'd apparently fallen. I've hurt my foot. She pulled aside her robe to show her ankle. I came out to scare away a deer. Miss Dale pointed across to a gnarled pine tree trunk. I think I've killed it. Imogene walked over to the darkness, where the baby deer lay, scarcely breathing, on a pile of pine needles. Imogene inspected the blood on the doe's face. Just scratched up. Are you sure? Miss Dale struggled to get a better look. She'll be fine, said Imogene. Let's take care of you first. Imogene hoisted Miss Dale onto the wooden plank, climbed up herself, and tried to walk with her, but it was cumbersome. She picked Miss Dale up off her feet and carried her towards the house. I think it was that cat, Miss Dale, Imogene said, facing her towards the garbage can, where a small orange stray was hissing and spitting, crouched by the side of the house. Don't look at that cat, <laughs> Miss Dale howled. It's feral. It will attack. Where's Picasso? Picasso, get in the house. Is Picasso in the house? Imogene brought her in through the front screen door, Picasso safely inside, growled at Imogene until she put her cargo down on the couch. Enough now, mongrel, Miss Dale scolded. This Picasso hates other animals like the real Picasso hates people. You shouldn't go out in the pitch dark like that, Imogene said. Old woman like yourself prowling around. Why didn't you call me? Miss Dale's foot was swelling, showing a big purple bruise. Phone the fire chief to come get that animal, or we'll be up all night. Or we'll be up all night. Don't worry about the dough, Imogene scolded. Let's get you some ice. Returning with a basin of ice water, she pressed a washcloth to the bruise. You have to be more careful, or you'll break your bones. She held out a hand to help Miss Dale sit up. Put your foot up here. Helpless, Miss Dale said. After all these years, I've become a helpless old woman. Nonsense. The cold water on her ankle made her flinch. Imogene steadied herself, preparing to bathe Miss Dale's leg up to the calf. I'm going to tell you a secret, Miss Dale said, trying not to shudder. When I first saw you in cherries, I was surprised. How come? She pressed gently. Does this hurt? From a distance, I thought you were a different kind of woman. Different how? Frankly, you appeared to be the kind of woman from whom you'd expect nothing. She paused. By which I mean a flat chest. Damn. Uh, what are you saying about a flat chest, Miss Dale? Okay. <laughs> Imogene's laughter startled the dog, who barked twice and sat back down. Oh, you know what I mean, Miss Dale continued. You're rugged. The dirty blonde hair, the boyish tan, the broad shoulders. It all distracts from your womanly figure. Imogene was embarrassed, but pleasantly so. Miss Dale, I didn't think you noticed those things. One more thing, Miss Dale added. You have the legs of a worker. Imogene wrapped up Miss Dale's ankle. Is that good? Very, said Miss Dale. Okay, then. To bed with more ice. When Imogene returned from reading Miss Dale's, readying Miss Dale's room, a towel with ice on the bedstand, Picasso was snoring lightly. Imogene put a finger to her mouth. On the couch, Miss Dale was out like a light. Imogene lifted her easily in her arms, carefully stepping over the dog, and carried her to bed. Gathering rope, a knife, and a pair of rubber gloves from the kitchen, Imogene went quickly down the walkway, stopping twice to look at the sky filled with chips of light that stretched out over the island. Before she cleaned Miss Dale's house the next morning, she would bring her neatly addressed postcards down to the ocean and set them sailing onto the surf. In the darkness, kneeling down, she felt around the doe's soft coat 
until she found the crushed bones of its breastplate and a, lung, a punctured lung, maybe. She watched fear rise in its gleaming eyes. It's okay, Imogene thought, about all animals that had come and gone on her father's farm. She watched her father nurse them like a mother, or end their suf suffering with a quick flick of his wrist. Hold still, Imogene said. And that's the end of Imogene's Island of Fire. Um, wow, what a what a little case study of of um, these two people's lives meeting. That was cute. I liked it. I think. Yeah, I think I liked it. Um, I do wish there was more lesbianism, of course, <laughs> but. I do like it. Um, though I hate thinking about a, a small deer being, having a crushed breastplate and a punctured lung. Um, that always, like, growing up with a lot of animals and hence why I know about how cows are born. Um, we also, like, bred dogs, which is horrible, not my decision, um, but we would breed dogs and commonly, um, some of them would die, and, uh it's so sad, um, it's so sad. I've also been, recently I, I was reading about veterinarians, um, because they have a really high rate of suicide. Um, because, like, I think people go into it, um, you know, really loving animals. And then they end up having to euthanize animals. And uh, so sad. And sometimes it's because people can't afford the care. Or, like, people have put it off for too long. Or... I don't know, a whole, a whole bunch of reasons, but very sad. Anyway, I don't think that was supposed to be the, um, <laughs> the takeaway from that story, but it's what I'm thinking about. Um, yeah. Overall, good, though. Oh, very odd names as well. Very unique names. Imogene and Dahlia and, um, Dale which is my father's name, actually. Um, well done. Well done, Mary Beth. Thank you, Mary Beth. Um, anyway, thanks for listening to How Did It Get So Late. Uh, I hope you have a lovely rest of your night and week and sweet dreams until next time.